Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about female orgasm. But before I go into the details of this episode, I have an invitation for you. I reopened my free masterclass, so I'm offering three live classes. This class is for couples in long-term relationships. You don't need to bring your partner if they're not available, but the course will, in the course and the masterclass, we're going to talk about the roadmap to revive your sex life with your partner, because I want to be able to connect with your partner with confidence and ease and also have an exciting sex life. In this masterclass, we will talk about identifying the main causes of sexual dissatisfaction in your relationship. I'm going to talk about some of the specific strategies that I talk with my clients in my sessions and how to tackle the root causes. And as always, we're going to talk about how you can bring excitement back to your relationship. I only offer it for three days. So if you are interested, make sure you are signing up now. I don't think I'm going to do it for another eight, nine months. But last time I did it, it was wonderful to connect live with so many of you guys and have this conversation. And at times I get the opportunity to coach people on the call. So if you are coming in, I would love to get to know you. And I hope one of these three dates will work for you. As I shared with you today, we're going to talk about female orgasm. We're going to talk about what happens in the brain and body when you experience an orgasm. And more importantly, how can you enhance the pleasure you're experiencing in the bedroom? This was one of my favorite conversations I had. Our guest is Dr. Heather Bartos. She's a world-renowned gynecologist. She's been in practice more than 20 years. And we had such a great time talking about, seems like which are both our favorite topics. So we're going to talk all about pleasure, orgasm, and how you can improve your orgasm. Our guest is a board-certified OBGYN, author, speaker, mom, and everyday gal. She is a leading voice in the field of women's health and particularly women's sexual health. She's also a U.S. Navy veteran, former associate professor, and is currently medical director of her Village for Women's Health outside Dallas, Texas. She's been featured in so many different publications, and more importantly, she has her own podcast, The Me Spot. Before we dive into our conversation today, I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapy. In order to get 10% off your first month of membership with BetterHelp, go to the URL in the show note and click on betterhelp.com slash sexology podcast. The URL is betterhelp.com slash sexology podcast to get 10% off of your first month membership. All right, here's our conversation today. I hope you enjoy it. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am excited and honored to have Dr. Heather Bartos on our show. Dr. Heather, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here tonight. I am very excited to have you. I know we were laughing about this because I said, you know, orgasm is happens to be my favorite topic. <laughs> and you were talking about like, you notice, but it's important. I think the reason that many women are not enthusiastic about sex is because that they, they have complicated relationship with pleasure. Of course, orgasm is not end result and it's not a must to have good sexual experiences, but I think it certainly helps. So what do you think about that? Yes, art imitates life, right? So that's what we're, or life imitates art here in this case. So that's why we were laughing because we were saying, of course, we, we all want to know more about orgasms. I mean, you and I do too, because it's a kind of an evolving field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as a gynecologist, I guess you get a different view of <laughs> this topic. You know, it's funny sometimes when I do groups and I, I co-facilitate groups on Clubhouse, people ask me about how does orgasm feel? Because there's so many women that they never experience an orgasm and they just want to know how it feels. So physiologically, what are some of the changes in our body that shows that one experienced orgasm or they're about to experience an orgasm? Right. I mean, it's important. I, that's how I started my work in sexual health is I had a 70 year old woman who after her well woman, you know, she'd been a patient of mine for years. And she said, I, I don't think I've ever had an orgasm. And I, you know, I tried to have my, you know, professional face, but I also was thinking, oh my gosh, what 70. And she just didn't know she had everything right. She just didn't know how to, how to get there. And she never communicated. And that's a lot of it. And so with her partner, we were able to kind of etch out kind of like what the process is, right? Cause you know, Masters and Johnson did a lot of this work back in the day where, you know, you can actually feel the vagina start to kind of lengthen. And then all of a sudden you'll feel rhythmic pulsations. So that's essentially what orgasm is with sexual pleasure involved. And a lot of women say it feels like a release or people that have had babies, they say it feels almost like really happy contractions and the whole genital body will move in and out. And then everything's relaxed. Love that. What a simple but effective way of describing it. And I love that you talked about changes in females' physiology due to arousal. And I think that's really important because sometimes people skip through foreplay and their bodies, their body is not ready. And then sex become uncomfortable. They have a struggle with experiencing orgasm. So I think it's important to give your body enough time to experience arousal. Absolutely. I, I always say, you know, I mean, I know you, I know you have both male and female patients. I generally just have the females and I always say women were so smart. If, if that we touch a hot stove and it hurts, we're not going to go keep touching it. You know, men might, but so if the sex is uncomfortable or we're not getting a lot out of it, we're not going to be apt to kind of just get back into it and say, let's just try this again and again and again. And so it does take, we know it's physiologically time for the female body to kind of catch up to the moment. Absolutely. And like many people experience orgasm from all sorts of the erogenous zone in their body. So tell us what happens in our brain when we're experiencing orgasm. Well, it's interesting, you know, as we start to kind of engage in sex, you know, what should happen is that 
the thinking part of our brain should kind of start that we, you know, use to reason, logic, all that should start to kind of shut down because we're kind of going more into the animal part of our brain. And that's the limbic system where we know that all those kind of desires come food and, and sleep and sexual arousal. And for a lot of women, we don't shut down the prefrontal cortex at all. And so when we do functional MRIs of those brains of women that have trouble reaching orgasms, we'll see that that prefrontal cortex is lit up like a Christmas tree because they're thinking about their target shopping list or their, you know, well, I got to go drop Bobby off at soccer next. And so where those other areas should become less active, a lot of us have kind of evolved into those kind of areas, not actually releasing in sex. And so if we can get those released, that's when then we get those beautiful things that the genital sensory cortex and all these areas that probably a lot of people don't really care about, but you and I do. But all these areas then involve releasing serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. And this is what provides women specifically with that good feeling after sex. Right. And there's just so many benefits to experiencing orgasm, like all sorts of psychological and physiological benefits, such as you said, like bonding is part of it. Feeling of stress reduction. I tell my clients that like if you're stressed out and they masturbate, they feel better. What are other benefits of orgasm? Oh gosh, you know, there's there's a list, believe it or not, that, that the National Institute of Health has kind of compiled over the years of, you know, lowering blood pressure, better sleep, better pelvic tone and less incontinence as we get older, but also keeping that area going. I mean, that's just the area that if you don't use it, you literally can lose it. And for women, as they transition into those menopausal years where things start to get drier and the vagina loses a lot of its collagen, constantly getting that blood flow and orgasming in there keeps all that fresh and young. It's like exercising. I love that. And I think that's so important because the term that I heard a few years ago that was very scary for me was vaginal atrophy. I was like, oh God, (laughs) it's a thing. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it's, you know, I, of course, I think the vagina is an amazing, amazing organ. I'm always impressed with what she can do. I'll call her she. She can do, I mean, she stretches during labor. I mean, she, she just takes so much abuse and she just snaps right back afterwards. You know, it's a, it's a misnomer that we stretch out and all that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. But it's an amazing because we want that area to be, I always tell people, fat and wrinkly. That's what we want our vaginas to be. And then when we hit menopause, that area becomes skinny and thin and non-wrinkly. And so it doesn't stretch. It doesn't open like it did because those parabasal cells are no longer producing collagen. And so that's how we get this term atrophy. And it's really true. I have women that come in and, and the opening is small. They sometimes will get actually like a, the clitoral hood will actually fuse together. And it's a lack of estrogen in the area. But I have plenty of women that don't take estrogen that have a good, good pelvic response down there. It's because they're using it. Mm-hmm. I know vaginal atrophy is a terrible term. <laughs> it's a horrible term. <laughs> I know. I was so traumatized when I heard about it. I was like, oh no, because like, and it's an internal organ. You don't know what to do. Like, you know, with like brain, you would say, oh, if I exercise, then I can prevent that. But it sounds like it's the same. If you're using the muscle, you're taking care of yourself, 
then you can prevent it. Is it helpful when women take those, like apply those estrogen creams? What are some of the things we can do to take care of the changes in our body as we're going through menopause? Right. Well, I think one of the biggest things we can do is warn women what's coming. You know, I think a lot of us don't know that we even hit into our early to mid forties and that vaginal dryness, the atrophy can kind of start to happen. And they're wondering why sex is all of a sudden a little bit more painful or they might tear during sex. They might notice some blood on the sheets and they're like, this isn't comfortable. It burns. And so one thing we need to do is start talking about this more. This is a great conversation. And I always say, you're going to pry the estrogen cream out of my cold, dead hands. If I don't take it anywhere else, I'm putting it up my hoo-hoo because, you know, 50% of women that even take oral or topical hormones still need something genitally. Mm -hmm. And while things work like a good lube is worth its weight in gold. And, you know, I have women that use vitamin E capsules because they might not be able to take hormones because of different uh, medical issues, you know, but if the gold standard is to put estrogen up there twice a week, let's just, it's just like fertilizing your yard and making sure it's green and grassy. And, and then, you know what, you can do that for the long term. Love that. And, you know, I read some studies that they talked about eating soy-based diets because of its estrogen source. Is that something that can be helpful? Yeah, a lot. In fact, I have a lot of patients that have breast cancer and their breast cancer surgeons will even take them off all soy products completely Mm -hmm. if they are estrogen or progesterone dominant. That really starts to limit us in what we can do to help. And these women now, you know, getting breast cancer specifically can be very young. I have a 25-year-old with breast cancer. And how do I keep her vagina young and healthy for, you know, on and on in years, we know 70 years potentially. And the one thing I can tell her is, is keep using it. Don't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great stress reliever, especially during something traumatic like this. And, and, you know, there's new things out there that we're trying to try to kind of improve the collagen matrix of the vagina. But really, I mean, like I say, if you can take it, estrogen is the way to go. Good to know. And I think it's, as, as you said, it's important to talk about. It might not be super sexy, but I think prevention is really important because I think it's important to have mind-blowing sexual experience in all ages and whatever you, however you define the mind-blowing. One other thing that was very interesting is I, we often hear about medical interventions for helping women experience orgasm. And I read mixed things. Like some of my clients, they love some of those procedures. Some people feel like it doesn't do anything for them. Some of them sound very scary. So what have been your experiences (laughs) with those? A lot of, they do sound scary. There's a lot of really interesting things. And, you know, one I think that you're probably thinking about is the O-shot is a big one. And, And it's interesting because PRP, I always say, is like the turmeric of 2020 one like we're using it for everything right now like we're using it for hair loss and for joint regeneration and so why would we not take out someone's platelets from their own blood since the kardashians did it and and then inject it into our clitoris or um, vaginal area some people are doing the g-spot injection and um and it's supposed to kind of bulk up that area again and allow the collagen to form it's painful <laughs> that it does. Imagine, right 
I always say I try everything before I tell my patients anything about it. And let me tell you, getting a shot in the clitoris is not my idea of a great time. And some of the newer things, there's a lot of radio frequency and lasers that they're using in the vagina to kind of help get all that kind of tissue back to kind of the 20 year old tissue. And, uh, you know, I've used it for, I, I actually have used some of those for some women that really couldn't couldn't take anything else and really had like some almost stenosis of the vagina where the vagina almost mm. had closed up. And, and, you know, the thing about those is, is they work for some women and there's a lot of placebo effect in a lot of the sexual health arena, I think, but they're expensive and insurance doesn't cover them. And so it doesn't really kind of target the whole population of women out there. It's really kind of for the, you know, I mean, the, the radio frequency devices can, and those can be $3,000 for a treatment that you might then have to repeat in a year or two. That's a lot of money. I can only imagine it's not going to be accessible to all. And I did when PRP became popular, I did it on my face and it was just yes. so fa- painful. I can only imagine. <laughs> well, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. I was like, oh, sure. I'll try it. Let's, and I was like, oh, and the guys have a pee shot too. And I had to learn how to do this. And I don't do penises professionally. So I, I was trying to hold this penis and inject it at the training. And I was like, I, there's gotta be something better than this for shots in the clitoris is not is not a good time I, mean, I love orgasm but I don't love them that much <laughs> but how long if someone they do that they put they kind of like do PRP to their clit how long how effective it is and how long usually did that last you no know, it's it the PRP is still so new we don't have a lot of good long-term studies but a, a lot of women will repeat it they'll, they'll do a couple of you know usually it's like a two dose kind of thing like I'm going to be honest, I did not go back for my second one. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) I was like, I'm good. It's about four to six weeks apart. And then usually there's a maintenance about every year. You know, I think for... I, gosh, now the O-Shot people are going to come after me. But I think for that amount of money, just taking all of the women in the world to a great shop and finding them the perfect vibrator for themselves is probably mm-hmm. a better use of, of money. But there's my world peace statement. <laughs> well, we appreciate that because I think there's just so many good erotic accessories that can help you to experience orgasm from all sorts of different places that that are your erogenous zones. And yeah. I think that can be more empowering. Of course, there's a place for medical procedures, things of that nature. But I think it's important also to kind of explore all sorts of approaches when it comes to that. And many women, right. they don't know their body and they don't know where to touch. And that can be a problem because I think that's a huge step. You know, I totally agree with you. I think we're, we're always looking for the magic pill, right? Mm-hmm. Or the magic shot or the magic whatever. And sometimes just spending some good old fashioned time by yourself with yourself, figuring out what works for you is a little bit, maybe more work, a lot less painful uh, and a lot cheaper, but may actually in the long run, really kind of define you for you because orgasms beget more orgasms. So once you figure out what works for you, you can start to explore further and try for different, you know, areas and, and really start to find your Zen when it comes Mm -hmm. to orgasm. You know, the other thing that I often hear, it's really helpful with people to have more stronger orgasm is Kegel exercises. I almost think about it as like flossing. We all know we have to floss. (laughs) 
<laughs> but we don't do it. So oh how important gosh. are Kegel exercises? Oh, that may be the best thing I've ever heard in terms of Kegels or like flossing. I think anytime you can exercise anything, right? Especially as we age is a good thing. I think a lot of women don't do Kegels correctly because again, we don't teach them. You don't get that in high school and health class or, you know, after you have a baby in other countries, someone will come to your room after you have a baby and they will teach you Mm. how to kind of fix all that. France is well known for that. But, you know, a a good Kegel just strengthens everything. And so, yeah, the, the orgasms can be a lot stronger and a lot more forceful. And that's what women kind of like. How, where can we learn how to do it? I know their devices are so very interesting. And the instruction we get is like, you know, like stop peeing and the kind of that's a muscle. So it just sounds so kind of like abstract to many women. Right, right. Yeah, I am. Um, I kind of have an interesting way of describing it to my patients. And I usually will tell them to when they're driving around town, do it at a stoplight. Just while you're sitting there at the stoplight, just do a couple kegels. You don't have to, you know, it's like exercising. You don't have to go do three hours. You know, it's not going to bulk you up faster, but just, you know, stoplight here around town. You know, hey, I'm doing my kegels right now. No one knows I'm doing my kegels right now. But I always liken it to, and of course, I'm from Texas. So I'm going to use a chili contest as a, <laughs> as my as my go-to. And I tell women, you've just eaten some huge plate of jalapeno nachos, chili, whatever it is, and you you are starting to feel it in, you know, gastrointestinal way and you get on the elevator and there's your hot celebrity that comes right in there with you. Like the hot celebrity that you would, you know, leave your spouse for. And all of a sudden you're going up the elevator and you're not sure what end any of this is coming out of, because you know, that feeling when you're about to have diarrhea, it's like, is it coming out as pee? Is it going to be like a fart? Is it going to be diarrhea? So you're just sweating and you're just holding everything up in there. The stool that could be squirting out in minute, the pee, everything. And you're holding it, holding it as you're going up to that top floor of the elevator. And then you're rushing out and you're going to the bathroom and you're relaxing. And so if we think about squeezing up everything, it, we always talk about just pee, but mm-hmm. really it's the rectal side too, because that's an area that's neglected for a lot of women. And so if we can hold up the rectum as well, you get the entire vagina, which is like a toilet paper roll, right? It's all the way around. So it's really important that you suck up everything. I love this. It's one of the best description that I heard because I feel like, you know, like that sounds like so abstract with holding the pee and you wonder is, am I doing it in the right muscle or not? But what you describe it, it makes sense. And it seems like it's more comprehensive. I love that. I want to use it with my patients. Yes, please. And I'm going to use the flossing. So there you go. We just, <laughs> we just shared and, and, and cared there. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so if a woman that they never experienced the orgasm. What are some of the recommendations you have for them if they want to kind of explore that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, you know, I always look at a woman's medical history, you know, so if someone tells me I've never had an orgasm, you know, I've tried, I've done, you know, I've done all these things, right? Because of course, we want someone to come in, we want someone to say, well, I've tried a, a vibrator, I've tried solo, I've tried with a partner, I've tried, and of course, you know, so many women don't have sex, penetrative sex with a partner with an orgasm. And so at that point, then we need to look at their medical history because there's a lot of medical conditions that can cause that too. Diabetes being a big one, multiple sclerosis, which is really common in young women. And then I look at a list of medications because there are so many medications, as you know, and I'm about to say that can cause 
anorgasmia, which is a lot of them are the antidepressants. And I had a, a really good friend who's an OBGYN who told me she was depressed in residency. And she said, you know what? I'm, I'd rather just be depressed than not be able to have an orgasm. So she chose not to take medication her depression so that she can still have an orgasm. And if you've ever been on antidepressants, it really does dampen that completely almost. So that's a big one. And a lot of people are on antidepressants, as you know, their PCP is leading them on them forever. And so that's not helping. A lot of antihistamines can actually cause difficulty with lubrication and then or anorgasmia. A lot of, of course, the antipsychotics, which aren't super common, but still out there, antihypertensives. So a lot of times we'll find a clue just in in the medical chart of what else could be going on now of course there are some disorders as you know as women just don't have orgasms and then we have to start kind of referring with someone like a sex therapist and we work together with that sex therapist to really start to pelvic floor physical therapy those people that can really help with biofeedback of that area rule out gyn issues like endometriosis and other things that could be causing like a frozen pelvis where so scarred down from scar tissue that doesn't move. So there's a lot of digging in when when someone says that they just can't orgasm. I love that, that they, like you talked about it being in so multifaceted. Like it's not as, as easy as like, this is not working. It's because of this particular thing. Could be a host of different things, kind of physiological, psychological. Right. And I often find it that kind of multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary approach being very powerful. So people can tackle this from different aspects. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it's the, our biggest sex organ as women is our, our, our brain. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's it. And so when you feel, a lot of women feel broken, you know, if they can't do something that they see everyone doing and, you know, all these sex coaches out there talking, well, you should find the G spot. Well, now you should find the A spot and the U spot. They're like, I can't even orgasm. And now I have to find all these like seven different spots. And it starts to become a self, kind of a self-esteem buster for women. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I'll say, look, don't, don't panic. Let's just figure it out. And a lot of times just hearing someone else say that is, it just kind of, you know, downregulates everything. And so they're just relaxed more because they really think they're broken. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't love this hierarchy of orgasm conversation mm-hmm. that's going on. One of the things that I always like, you know, I do gratitude lists and, and my list always is like, oh, thank God I'm orgasmic. Uh, yes. <laughs> and yes. I went to like one of my colleagues, she published this book, Dr. Lori Mintz about becoming clitorate. It's a wonderful yes. book. I went a wonderful to her, book. Yeah. Her reading. And I was like, sitting there feeling good, like supporting her. And someone said, you know, what, what about that soulful orgasm that comes from your soul? And I was like, oh God, what's wrong with me? Why I don't have soul orgasm? <laughs> and I think yeah. it's so easy to get into that comparison right. and it's impact yeah. your self-esteem. I was like, wait a minute, this is not, <laughs> this is not relevant for me. Why am I comparing myself? Yeah. Cause, and that's what happens with, you know, with everything with women now we're so comparison based, you know, cause, and I always joke compare leads to despair because you see what everyone's doing on social media and this, and you're reading about, you know, this woman that had 27 orgasms in a row. And I'm like, when did I last have an orgasm? I need to get on that boat. And, you know, so, so just kind of starting the conversation about, 
hmm, am I orgasmic? I think that's great. Affirmations are amazing. I mean, I make my patients draw it on the mirror. You know, I can do this. And and so, yeah, that's a great book. Becoming Clitter, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I love it. And I'm kind of talking about the importance of kind of like getting to know your body and all of those wonderful things. Well, this was such a delightful conversation. <laughs> I feel it was we're fiery. all friends. I, yes. I know, I know it's very fiery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you have your own podcast, you have your practice. So please tell us more about where can our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, so my podcast is the Me Spot Podcast, not the G Spot, not the A Spot, not the U Spot, another spot, the Me Spot. And it's on Apple and Spotify at the Me Spot Podcast.com. And I'm in Dallas. So if anyone's in the area, B Women's Health and Wellness is our clinic. And we have two locations. And I just love sexual health. So I'm happy to help any woman that needs it. Where we're grateful for having informed gynecologists like yourself that's like passionate about women's health. That's so I think that's really important. And thank you for all the wonderful work that you're doing. Well, you too. We I know I'm gonna talk about flossing next week. <laughs> good, good. I like that. <laughs> all right. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. I hope you guys found our information useful, our discussion useful. I often find it important to talk about women's pleasure and desire and everything sexual health related for women and men, but I feel at times we don't talk about the importance of pleasure for women. So I hope that if you found this conversation useful, we'll share it with your friends. One of the reasons that many women struggle with experiencing orgasm at times is not related to actually what's happening in the bedroom. Our relationship, of course, can impact our ability to experience pleasure but sometimes when we are struggling with experiencing pleasure, that can be rooted in our kind of psychological challenges, mental health challenges. That's why at the end, I wanted to mention that this episode was sponsored by BetterHelp. Companies like BetterHelp can help you with getting the support you need using online counseling. If you choose to sign up with BetterHelp, you can start communicating with a therapist within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy. The link we have with them is betterhelp.com slash sexology podcast. If you choose to pursue therapy with them, make sure you're taking advantage of our exclusive discount. All right. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.